0: and welcome to boom it's on the blockchain my name's is uh, alistair Caithness. i'm here today with garrett how are you garrett i'm doing good today how are you not too bad i've been sitting watching the british open this morning over nice. in scotland so it's six o'clock in scotland ten o'clock in uh, california and it's bang on ten o'clock in uh, 12 o'clock in austin texas got it so, so it started off quite well. Rory McIlroy posted a good score. Unfortunately, Tiger Woods is in a bit of trouble, you know. Never mind. It's uh, We'll wait and see how it all pans out. But, it's, yeah, it's good to watch Scotland and the old TV in America. So yeah. perfect then. So uh, how's your week been, Gannett?
1: I've been doing all right. I've been hmm. doing all right here. It's, um, you know, definitely... Uh, busy week for me i'm actually headed out your way this evening so
0: <laughs> i know i'll be able to see Garrett in person tomorrow no no podcast but he will be in san diego enjoying well, the sunshine it's a bit cloudy in the morning we actually had quite a bad fire not far from the house yesterday but oh, it was wow. just, yeah yeah, you could see it, it was, uh, i didn't know that yeah. they
1: were, we're having a lot of trouble with that this year
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, because of everything else, it's just not making the news is normally what it does, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, well, we'll just crack straight in with the show today. And the first thing we're going to start to speak about is Nord Stream 1. So what are your thoughts on this, the pipeline that's coming in, the Europe gets a lot of its gas? Specifically, you're looking at a lot of people in Germany. So here he is. Europe may have to ration energy supplies as Vladimir Putin is able to weaponize supplies. And this is actually from Shell CEO and market insider. So just give your thoughts on this thing, Garrett.
1: Well, it's always been very controversial since, you know, um, ever since the, uh, what was it, the North Dakota pipeline, the Keystone XL was shut down. This is a gas pipeline. It's a little bit different. But the fact of the matter is, is that most of Europe relies on Russia to provide these resources, these quintessential resources, you know, to their um, to the you know, central European countries. Um, and it was always talked about, well, what if Russia goes rogue and they decide to do something like they've done now at this point? And, um, there was trouble with it when they initially invaded, you know, there were a lot of questions being asked, but, um, when winter, you know, comes upon them, it is going to be a whole different ball game. You know, right now, I think there's a pretty good likelihood they'll be able to limp by. They'll be able to kind of get by on things, um, without maybe noticing as much of, um, a need to ration resources, but this could turn into a full blown crisis by the time, you know, November, December rolls around and there's, you know, we have these lower temperatures and you know, the inherent need for gas. And that's going to have to come from Nord stream one, that is the infrastructural pipeline that supplies most of Europe. And in the case of Germany, (laughs) as you just bring it up, um, over 50%. Yep. Germany is the most dependent on it. So, It will politically cause a climate where, you know, you'll have central European countries really at the mercy of what Russia does. And that's not a good position for, um, you know, I I really don't like to view things as like the uh, east versus west, but it's going to turn it into that. It's going to be a very, very difficult scenario.
0: Yeah, so for people to understand back home, Nord Stream One was switched off on Monday for uh, I think it's biannual maintenance. So Germany used to get I think just under thirty percent of its gas in two thousand eleven from Russia. In twenty twenty one, this is up to fifty two percent of its gas. So as part of the maintenance, prob. Uh, pro- uh, project, they empty out all the gas that's there, they have a, this is Gazprom, they they run this pipeline, they actually have plants where they put additional storage in when they do this, and it's supposed to come back online next Monday, the problem is now it's coming out that, oh, we'll have to do some further maintenance on it right now, so that starts to uh, put pressure on, you know, the supplies they've got in the country. And it brings up multiple reasons why they wanted to do this. You know, a a lot of the green politicians, people pushing the German version of the Green New Deal, pushed hard for this pipeline to come in. They wanted to move Germany away from coal, away from oil. They saw this pipeline as the key answer to sort of reduce carbon emissions and then transition into green energy. So the green energy deal was to go full Russian uh, gas and then move to renewable energy but that whole idea is completely and utterly backfired now and the problem is that you know germany is a massive manufacturer of product in europe they, they create the biggest co2 emissions in europe but they also they do most of the manufacturing so what is you know is it basf and um, the big petrochemical company they refine but 4% of the gas that comes into Germany is actually used by them. And that's refining for a lot of plastic products as well. So this isn't in addition to what's coming in because most of this is coming into industrial products. So what you could find is that in addition to people potentially not having their uh, electricity, not having heat switched on, not having gas coming to the house, that their entire manufacturing within the country, and they're the biggest manufacturer in Europe, could be completely switched off if they decide to just switch this uh, additional gas coming in or not allow more gas coming in, especially what you're saying, Garrett, in terms of uh, coming into winter. Because, you know, the first one uh, I'll bring back here that I thought was interesting, I was just noticing for the first time that I've actually seen oil WTI down at $93.99. So, you know, that's dropped down from 120 that we were at just a couple of podcasts ago.
1: Yeah, they're aggressively, I mean, I think every leadership structure in the world, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, the Socialist Republic of Sri Lanka or the U.S. federal government. Every government is panicking right now over these extremely high oil prices. And, you know, I think behind the scenes, while it's not is publicized. I think things are ramping up. I mean, it's where I gas was five bucks a gallon here in Texas at one point, and now it's back under $4. You know, I've seen it at 386, I think. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see how they're in the short term trying to combat this with, you know, domestic drilling, but also keep it hush hush in the case of the you know what the democrat agenda here in the u.s is is to say hey we're switching off of this and we're switching soon
0: yeah oh, i, I think so i'll just bring this back in there like that so but yeah but then it's coming down to 94 a barrel you should see a uh, price drop at the pumps the problem is that when the pumps go up they never come down the same based on what the oil okay. is so mm-hmm. You know, no matter what you think of Biden, he's correcting some of the stuff he's saying is they're <laughs> still milking you at the gas station. Now, in uh, California, it's about a dollar for everything you come at the pumps is probably goes to taxation. Oh, yeah. So People don't think about that as well. They just think, well, it's the taxation coming in. It's not only the high sales tax, but the different federal tax, the state tax. So it's essentially taxed from three different authorities for your... Uh, <clears throat> Filling up with gas at the pumps, and that's affecting everything. Considering all the foods get shipped about by huge trucks, and that's all by gas as well. So, these things are just affecting it in so many different ways.
1: And well, then, if you I start the- throwing an article in our chat here, I had somebody send me this. Um, you know, basically, they're saying that uh, I, I remember I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but it looks like you guys, and along with 14 other states, are getting. A stimulus check to combat inflation is is uh, contradictory as that sounds.
0: Yeah, let, let's bring this up article. Let's see what it can do. So, 14 states approve stimulus checks as inflation continues to rise. Yes. But it, so, but when are these checks going to be sent out?
1: Well, I'm not entirely sure. Some of them are doing it. You know, California. It appears it's going to be. Um, you know, 23 million residents are getting, you know, a $1,000 stim check. And, you know, Georgia governor is doing it as a, um, they're doing it as a tax rebate. And then all these other states are looking at it. And, um, you know, it's clear in California where the money's going to come from. Everybody pays such a high tax rate that the, the state government has, I think it was like a $50 billion taxation war chest. So they're basically just giving you your money back in a form that people learn to really like during the pandemic, but, um, it's, uh, it's interesting to see that, you know, gas prices go up and, you know, a lot of the more liberal States, this is the way that they're thinking about combating that. Um, I, I can speak to California. I think actually has the means to do it. I'm not sure if it's appropriate, but they do have the means to do it because like you said, you know, almost a dollar of everything you buy there is going to taxation. It's going to, you know, Governor Newsom's war chest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for his um, advertising budget in Florida that he seems to be pumping <laughs> out adverts for it as well. You know, yeah. you, you think, what? how can you justify spending taxpayers' money on advertising in Florida to basically bash the Santos. If this isn't a run-up for the twenty twenty-four election, it's unbelievable when you start to think about that. But that's politicians. You know, they're awesome. happy to keep spunking the cash that comes in. They don't care where the money comes from, as long as it makes them look good, you know. So, so we just have to wait and see how all this pans out. But certainly, it changes the Nord Stream one back to. It's a game changer out there. It makes us realize that you should not be relying on one person for your energy source, especially if you uh, don't politically agree with everything they're doing. You know, the big thing with all the sanctions, when we brought all the sanctions in against Russia was, you know, we're going to stop their gas supply. He, 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 they won't get any more money. Suddenly they're making more money than ever. And then India and China have bought up all the surplus anyway. And essentially India has opened so many um, coal plants. In the last uh, three years, essentially since COVID, because they're going to be one of the biggest manufacturers. They're already massive manufacturing, but they're going to start to challenge China going forward as one of the world's biggest manufacturers. So what will happen is China will be one, India will be two in the next three to five years. They're open these huge coal plants. You know, why does the Green New Deal people not say, well, we're not going to buy product from China, we're not going to buy product from India If it's made from coal, they don't even want to touch the subject or broach the subject area, because to them, it just creates problems. And then again, it's singling out people from what they perceive as third world countries. And how can you say China and India are third world countries? Yeah, they've got a lot of poverty. There's a big dispersion of wealth. But you're looking at the the number two and three economies in the world or potentially they'll, going forward in 10 years, they'll be the number one and number two economy. So at what point do they have to do any cutbacks? And is President Z going to actually take care of what you know, a few Green New Deal people are doing in Europe? No, they're not at all. We provide their product. They don't care. They know we want to buy the product in the same way. Russia, they haven't changed any way they're working with Russia right now because they don't want to. You know, because Russia's supplying so much gas to them. Same with India. They don't even come out and speak against anything that's going on there. Yes, we'd rather have peace, you know, maybe get around the table. But in the meantime, if you're selling any cheap gas, give us a knock, you know, we'll we'll buy as much as you've got. (laughs) And and you've got politicians here, you've got politicians in Europe, everyone kicking up a fuss about these things. You know, inflation came at 9.1%. Russian inflation peaked, I think, 17%, 18%. It's actually come down a little bit right now. Again, that statistics is coming out of Russia, so you don't actually know whether it's true or not. But if you start looking at, like, Lebanon, I saw there, because um, I follow Pomp, and he was actually uh, providing some updates in other countries' inflation. Lebanon right now is 211%
1: inflation. Oh, my God. It's, so it's like... these are going to be... Oh, it's wow. just
0: whole yeah. Collapsing that was happened in uh, Sri Lanka. You know, yeah. that was a proper insurrection there. They just piled <laughs> straight in. Trump, Trump was about 50,000 uh, supporters short. It just shows you how scary it can be when he did his insurrection, how easily it is for people to actually run in and topple the government because they just piled in there. If People watch that thing. They piled in there and then obviously didn't look so good. The president left the country. With his big pile of cash that he had, <laughs> he's just moving around to find somewhere safe to stay with all his cash in the private jet. You know,
1: yep. but
0: you know it's it's not unrealistic. In Western countries, we can't see these things, but there's somewhere like Sri Lanka. You know, they're right next door to India, next to Pakistan. Massive economy themselves. You know, super high inflation. The the government so corrupt. They just, that was it. They just piled in there. They took over all the buildings. They just smashed in. I, I, the one I thought was quite funny was his president's palace with a swimming pool and that. and everyone's oh, that's
1: interested. exactly what I was thinking. They're all in the pool.
0: They're on the pool having a good time, basically, you know, but wrecking the place. It was like when Saddam Hussein was overthrown and they all went to the palaces and took all the stuff that he had in yeah, there. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, so you looked at that and the gold toilet, you know. Yeah. Had go, <laughs> the gold toilet, I remember I know, that. I, on? I, I, I hated now. that, you know.
1: But I, I remember the gold toilet, that was Very amazing. Busy.
0: But you know, then that's the thing, you know, people bash all you. At least you get to speak out in this country, you know. You don't, you know, whether you like it or not, there's still this ability. You know, the worst you're going to get is uh, a Twitter ban, you know. Oh, you've been banned from Twitter. You know, I saw that. Uh, what's the psychologist from Canada's name again? Um. What's his name, Gary? He's on TV a lot. It goes in Joe Rogan. I remember his name. He was crying because he was banned from Twitter recently and came on and did a sort of interview and hey. uh, um, I'll remember his name in a second. But, his, um, but in uh, Russia last week, a politician came out and actually made the comment that he thinks the, the war against Ukraine has been bad for the Russian people. That was basically his comment. Automatically arrested Seven years in Siberia. <laughs> it's like it, that means you're never coming back, you know? So yeah. at least here, the worst you're going to get is a Twitter ban. You know, it's it's not that bad, people. Well, it's banned from Twitter. You know, Jordan Peterson, that's his name. You know, the guy, Jordan, is it Jordan Pearson? I don't know. You must know the guy, Jordan. I'm sure his name is Jordan Pearson. Let me put him and see if it's not, that's his name. Yes, it is. You must know. You've never seen this guy. He's only, he goes to Joe Rogan quite a lot. Canadian clinical psychologist. Um, let me bring up a picture of him there as well. He he, he, got, he, he, he disappeared to Russia for a bit. I always think that he could potentially be a you know K, KGB agent. You know, <clears throat> he's one of those guys that will come out in twenty years time and somehow he's joined the KGB. You know, <laughs> 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 let's open a new page. So it's uh, but anyway, he got banned from Twitter. There's, um I don't know what, you, but this guy, you know, this guy here. He there he is there. He is there Jordan Pearson. You never seen him before?
1: No, I haven't. He 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 looks a little bit like uh old Hunter Biden.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's the opposite. He's the but he's a big guy about free speech, you know, and he speaks against a lot of the the woke and stuff
1: like that. Wow, he, so you know, he's, this... he's not Hunter Biden's stunt double. He's his.
0: Nemesis. Is Nemesis. Nemesis type thing. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, this is, look, I've even brought the article up. Here's the one that he got banned. Twitter suspends David Rubin for sharing Jordan Peterson, Elliot Page tweet. This was the big thing that he ended up, uh, again, let's see, is that him there? Let's have a look. This one here. So people can actually have a look and find out about him as well. You know, there's some stuff, have you ever listened to him speak, his early stuff, and he speaks about freedom of speech, and a lot of stuff that I sort of agree with, but then he sort of goes off, and he's he's loved by the sort of far-right, you know, white supremacist guys, he's their sort of poster, but he's the sort of clever one, you know, if Trump, if Trump brings up the sort of dumb dumb ones, this guy pushes in the clever ones, you know, so it's... Um, So I wouldn't say he's a far-right supremacist. It's just like they they sort of like this guy, you know? So anyway, he's a potential KGB agent, you know? CIA, keep your tabs on this guy. Can't be trusted, you know? (laughs) There you go. So there you go. That's that's me off Jordan Peterson's Christmas wish list. Good. Don't particularly like the guy anyway, you know? So it's... um, But they bring him on. I can't believe you don't know that guy. He's on. He, he went on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, they sort of made him famous, you know? So he's gone on Joe Rogan a few times, but then they sort of fell out about something and they brought him back in. But, uh, but he disappeared to Russia for quite a long time. His daughter runs a podcast. So he, he disappeared to Russia. Uh, I don't know what it was. He was there for a few months and he came back. And then he's become quite emotional when he does his speeches now, you know? So it's uh, cries a lot when he's trying to get his point across which is a bit of a weird one, but, you know, fair play, clever guy, obviously. So we'll just bring on to that. So, yeah, Nord Stream 1, we've got to worry about this going forward, I think, especially in Europe, you know, we want to move to this green energy, but in the meantime, you want to be able to keep the lights on. I even read in articles now, if you're living in Germany right now, the best thing you could be doing is getting wood, you know, Get as much wood as possible, stack it up, start buying wood, start preparing for Christmas basically in winter because that might even be your best fuel source to keep you warm over this period in time, which is absolutely incredible. That essentially Europe's leading country is
1: they wait for winter to come and then they just do a hard military push to Western Ukraine and potentially beyond, knowing how much they've weakened germany which is the you know economic juggernaut of europe
0: oh it, 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 there's so many things coming in it was uh everything sort of backfired and then you've got biden over in the middle east right now begging them for, to essentially produce more oil you know opec aren't in a rush to keep producing more and more oil because you know the price has dropped it's gone from 120 to 95 you know so it's like it's not as if they want to just suddenly produce more oil because It'll just push the oil price down. The The problem for a lot of countries is their stockpiles will go down a lot because we've been going into strategic reserves. So right now, and that's all across Europe. So that's a big problem with Germany as well. Their strategic reserves are essentially coming down to zero as well. Wow. So certain countries have pushed off, like oh. Poland, Lithuania. They've oh. come completely off Russian oil. Strategic
1: reserves. If we look at the other side of the coin, we look at China. I just threw another article in, um, and you know, there's a lot of um, I think other stuff that's unfortunately a distraction when it comes to when it comes to Hunter Biden and his relationship with you know these gas companies. But it's very clear when it comes to Sinopec and it comes to the um, U.S releasing strategic reserves and sending them to china um i remember we were doing this i think before the war even started it was i might be mistaken but um you know it's insane that you know joe biden has chosen to release you know oil from our strategic petroleum reserve and send it to china you know for what reason um i'm not entirely sure and you know this article i'm not always a big fan of the washington post i think it's Gone downhill since 2015. But if you if you look through here, and you know, you'll see that um, basically in 2015, up until 2015, it was illegal to export U.S. crude oil. We had it was a there was a 40 year law that stood that said, hey, you can't export U.S. crude oil. You know, 40 years minus 2015 puts sure. us at 19 or yeah, 1975. And that was around the time of the um, Saudi embargo. And you look at this and it's like, well, that was a pretty rational law. But, you know, Biden is releasing all of this oil and sending it overseas instead of, you know, putting it, you know, into U.S. refineries and into U.S. supply chains, which is extremely concerning. Um, And it makes you wonder, especially with um, you know, Hunter's connections to these companies. I mean, there's been a lot of emails that have come out and a lot of, um you know, other uh evidence to kind of show that there might have been, you know, some corruption happening as far back as the Obama administration.
0: Yeah, well, essentially, uh, giving the, what, what was his, one of his comments was, uh, that portion of the money is for the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you can't say stuff like that. And that guy's now the president when he was vice president. Yeah. We'll let you meet up, go to the White House, meet with the president, vice president, we'll give you a tour. We'll open up relationships. It's like he was working for a Ukrainian gas company. And then all his, then he set up a essentially some form of hedge fund that was funded him, a billion dollars coming in from China. Yeah. It's huge amounts of money for a guy not having a track record in either of those industry sectors. And he's basically yeah. a painter. His, his painting's quite good, actually. But
1: he's Wait, who's a painter, Hunter Biden. I didn't know that. Like, like painting, like,
0: yeah, 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 like painting, yeah, yeah. So, but his paintings are worth more money than uh, mining yours, Garrett, I'm afraid, you know.
1: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs>
0: right. The Google Hunter Biden's paintings, he, he does a lot of painting.
1: Ah, so, so he might have he done that one. I saw, I saw one. I saw one on Twitter that was absolutely hilarious. I mean, it's probably—I think it was a little uh, NSFW per se, but I think it was probably Hunter that made it. Um, that's very interesting. I'm looking it up and uh, yeah, wow. try and bring,
0: try and bring one of his paintings in, and then then we can show
1: everyone what he's been up to. This I don't is what know, does all of this stuff as an artist. His stuff is actually pretty good. I mean, yeah, I have yeah, to say, yeah. yeah. I, I... <laughs> like this guy you just can't
0: just uh, it's <laughs> it's, just, it's good to your dad is basically so it's uh Hunter Biden's paintings let's have a look while it's, it's actually nothing to do with nordstrom but the weird thing is it's all connected
1: oh, now, it, it, depend,
0: it depends on what news channel you watch as well so if you're looking at Fox News, So the problem with a lot of people in America is they only watch Fox News. So if you watch Fox News, you see nothing about the January 6th uh, insurrection. If you actually watch it, you know, you go to BBC, you go to uh, Reuters, you know, I'm not just talking CNN, I'm talking international news stations, and you go there and you start to see the news coverage of that. It's totally ridiculous. The fact that he's going to run for president again, the fact that they all talk about was the big lie. The last person who used the big lie was Hitler. If you actually Google it and go to Wikipedia, big lie, number one big lie, Hitler. And what did he lie about? He lied about why they lost the very first World War, World War One. It was all the Jewish people's fault. And then there was going to be a Jewish uprising against the German people. Therefore, it allowed him to essentially start this extermination program that killed six million people in Europe and over a million Jews. That was his big lie. And in his Mein camp, uh, camp book, he talked about this, you know, He's talked about the yeah. big lie, which was like crazy. So it's, um, so essentially it, it's unbelievable if you think about it. So that's big lie number one. And the, the Hitler's thing was, it, it, no point saying small lies. No one will believe a small lie. You've got to tell a big lie and get everyone convinced to believe it. So then then Trump comes along and just basically, you know, verbatim takes the title, (laughs) calls it the big lie as well. And everyone watching Fox News, oh, it's a big lie. You speak to people, they lost the election, they took them to court 60, there were 60 court cases, basically lost them all. You know, even his own party are coming out saying he didn't win the election. It's a big lie. And then I can meet people who are Republicans and they'll say that. It's like, it's unbelievable in this day and age where we can access information when it comes out you know so it's yeah. uh, it, it's all sort of coming together from that so so yeah hunter biden i wouldn't be trusting him and then the flip side is they weren't even allowed to bring those articles new york post got banned from twitter on the run-up to the 2020 election for posting about hunting biden's uh laptop which was unbelievable. Oh, it's a lie. It's like the guy had the laptop. The guy showed us the laptop, <laughs> downloaded all the stuff, started sharing stuff with us. Two years later, oh yeah, I don't really like that stuff in the laptop. But that was amazing because you think you've got the big media companies now blacklisting this information coming out against Hunter Biden. And they only talk about that. So if you're in America right now and you don't actually read the other news channel, you're basically blind, uh, blindsided by this. So if you're oh, a Democrat right now, all the stuff we're speaking about Hunter Biden right now, you, you probably haven't even seen any of it. If you go to Fox News, they basically go on about it all day. And then January 6th, insurrection stuff, it's basically the only thing that I saw on Fox News this week was, or the insurre- it, it wasn't a big insurrection like the one in Sri Lanka, and actually the one in Sri Lanka was because of the Green New Deal. It's like, how, how can it be because of the Green New Deal? You know, it's supposed to be a news channel. You know, it's like, it's big, that's the biggest lie ever, the Sri Lankan thing. And you, you believe that as if it's the news, which is like absolutely yeah. incredible. So, uh, so we'll wait and see with that. All right, nice one. So, well, that's just talked about politics, global oil reserves. The recession, we're hitting at 9.1%. At least it's better than 211% out in Lebanon. That's for sure. Then got it, you know?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So let's bring up the next thing that we were speaking about is I'll bring I'll I'll do the little banner while you talk about ESG. What's gonna happen? But
1: well it's very interesting. <clears throat> very interesting with ESG because um, you know, I was actually uh going through some stuff for some potential business partners in the realm of carbon credits recently. And I found that uh, basically carbon credits, while they were initially affected pretty deeply by this uh, so-called bear market, um, I, f- I found that essentially, um, what was it? The carbon credits rebounded relatively quick. And, you know, under the umbrella of ESG, That's pretty interesting to see that carbon credits are still very, very bullish, Um, possibly because, you know, it's a growing market. It's such a small market that, um, you know, the voluntary carbon offsets, um, you know, being supplemented by now in Europe. Some involuntary markets are just going to push it up further. But, you know, with at large the actual infrastructure. Um, that, you know, it's going to take to really, you know, see the vision of ESG through. Uh, It's hard to say, will this impact, you know, solar startups? Will this impact wind startups in a negative way? And I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that.
0: Yeah, well, I just think that right now, because of, let's bring the next, this is ESG turned on because we want to do some sort of greenwashing. This is the future that we want everything green, if we don't follow ESG, then everything's going to turn brown and horrible. That's, the, that's how they sell it to you people. So they don't care that gas prices are going through the roof. They don't care that essentially a lot of this Green New Deal push in Germany, and if you research into this, and all the ESG push in Germany was happy to go and take all their gas from Russia. Yeah. And that's incredible. That's incredible that we went and did this, and now we've gotten a position whereby you're you're essentially held over a barrel by Vladimir Putin and he's turned off your gas for a week just to see what happens. The fact is it's even better for him to turn off for a week, even if he switches it back on. You know, he has you over a barrel. Oh, by the way, I can just turn it off and not even turn it off to do anything bad to you, turn it off for maintenance. Yeah. So suddenly, this environmental social government's policy that we're all investing in and all the big companies want to invest in, it's like you're going to lose money straight away right now. We're going into this bear market whereby ESG policies are essentially out the window. It's like, why would you want to be investing in this right now? And I know people are going to want to still invest it and still have companies involved in it. And you'll still have an ESG policy in all major companies because they don't want to get a backlash in it. But the question is how much money are they prepared to put into this and going forward if they think it's just going to be essentially a loss of capital. you know. Let's bring in the next article that was brought up on, and this is an oil price. Now, obviously, they're going to be biased a little bit. I like oil price. It's one of the best uh, websites out there for oil and gas information. Uh, But energy as a whole. It's the number one that you're coming out there. And this actually isn't even from, this is City AM. So this is the the business paper that gets uh, distributed in London free every day. You pick it up from the tubes. So they're just sitting outside. But this is ESG funds real as investors pile into energy and defense stocks. So right now, the best place to be putting your money is essentially into these two sectors. Like defense industry has risen a lot since the start of the war for obvious reasons. Because when the US, who are supplying most of the weapons and defense budget into Ukraine, now I think it's about 50 billion you've sent in, that's 50 billion worth of weapons that you've sent in the form of aid to Ukraine. Well, these that has to be replaced. That's your stockpile that's replaced. So suddenly all these defense companies are getting huge contracts right now to replace this more in for R and D, it's changing things again. You know, we were looking at this future in terms of this digital world. When they talked about uh, COVID coming in, these types of weapons was the weapon going to be this type of weapon where they can do it? So, what happens to conventional weapons? So a lot of the defense companies were struggling. You know, why are we building so many tanks? Why are we spending so much money on conventional artillery and missiles, etc.? Now there's a war in Ukraine. Suddenly, these guys are busier than ever. So you can see why, if you're an investor right now, you want to be sticking your money into Lockheed Martin. You want to be sticking your money into BAE systems, because these guys are pulling in massive contracts on a daily basis. And it's not only there, it's like across the world. Suddenly, Germany's now starting to increase their defense because they're thinking, well, wait a minute. If he just invades and takes over Ukraine, what's next? You know, I better show up my defense again. You know, so you've got to think about like that perspective as well. All other countries in Europe, everyone's increasing their budget for defense. So all defense companies, because of what's happened out there, are suddenly busier than ever. So oh, yeah. Companies busier than ever. So this is like affecting ESG. So this is like, so, you know, you're looking at what does some of the stuff there is that while it's tempting to question ESG funds due to their recent poor performances, investors need to be patient.
1: But yeah, I think that's very critical because, you know, it's, um, the circumstance right now is it's really pushing things right past the, um, the, you know, kind of planned LNG transition, you know, using natural gas, using LNG to transition to so-called green energy in the form of solar panels, wind, hydro. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing this really, I mean, it's, it's the defense stocks. I mean, who, you know, these guys do have a hand in a lot of this ESG stuff as well. Um, it's going to take time, you know, no matter where, um, the capital is deployed, you know, when you have a conflict like what's going on in Europe right now, it's going to take time.
0: Yeah. So and then we've got a comment coming in from Qatar right now. Paul Parsons is for sure looking at a potential exit. So he's a ESG strategist from London. Paul Parsons, key guy in the space. He's starting to look at going back into moving out of renewables and going back into traditional oil and gas because that's where he sees the future right now, you know? So, and I think y- y- when you look at guys like Paul Parson, who are leaders in the space, you know, they're sort of looking for the future as well. So you've got to think about people who have been transitioning out of oil and gas, going into renewable energy because of all the funding, because of all the budgets. Next thing you know, boom, it's like, it's flipped. It's basically flipped 180. Everything's coming back this way. You know, the, the, the final one, I'll bring up this uh, CNBC in terms of what they are talking about. You know, the tough the toughest challenges for cryptocurrency lie ahead, not in the rear view mirror. But again, this is basically looking at an ESG article of uh, cryptocurrencies. It wasn't long ago that we were bashing Bitcoin for creating so much emissions. Yeah. you know That, that was the news. You actually think to the, it's the news cycles are weird. You think going back before COVID, the main news was the Tiger King. I wish pe- people would love to go back to when it was the Tiger King, and uh, you know they had that bit of sort of internal uh, fight with a woman who had the Tiger Sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically just a female Tiger King. You know, it was like you had a zoo oh, as well. Yeah. You charge people to come to your zoo. It's
1: gone very dark in the last two years. I mean, it's. Yeah. It it used to be a little bit more cheery and whimsical, but, you know, things have gone dark. Uh, It's unfortunate.
0: Uh, (laughs) That's good fun. Then COVID came along. So the Tiger, we we would love to go back to the Tiger King days. So Tiger King came, came along. Then COVID came along. And then suddenly Bitcoin's getting bashed all the time. We can't use this new digital currency because it creates so much CO2 emissions, with no one doing anything.
1: Very opportunistic. You know, that didn't start to come up until Bitcoin was at an all-time high of like $65,000, you know, last year in May. And then, you know, it was at this all-time high and they're like, you know what, We, we need to add some volatility in there. We need to do something to bring it down. And then you started seeing all those articles, but,
0: i think that the bitcoin price is key it just came in plus it was control it was like how are we going to control this cryptocurrency that everyone's got into the price has been inflated we had adam bloomberg on the show a couple of weeks ago speaking about you know bitcoin's essentially just trading like a tech stock if you look at the nasdaq tech stock which happened over covid and he was talking about people like snapchat Peloton, well, Peloton's not uh, but essentially some form of uh, stock that uh, went so high. Zoom was another one. They all went up so high, and they've all come down in relation to a very similar percentage to what happened to Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin was down at 7,500 only three years ago. You know, 2019, 2020, even 2020, it was 7,500. Yeah. So if you got three times your money, if you got in at Bitcoin at that point, you're still going to be happy. It was because a lot, so many people got in higher than the rest of the crypto market follows Bitcoin because it's a lead player in it. And that all came down. And then suddenly we're all out there. You had all your sort of green brigade. The problem with the green brigade is, you know, I'm all up for looking after the planet. You know, I like to walk in the country. It's important to me. I'm interested in everything coming up. I'm interested in renewable energy. I think it's definitely the energy source of the future because, you know, ultimately what it will do is it allow us to take off big government control if we can all go off-grid, living in houses. You know, suddenly if you can create your own energy and keep it, that's good. I and mean, then you can produce this energy source cheaper than fossil fuels. Then we should move off to this energy source. But when you supplement it and you try to drive it through and it doesn't make economic sense, then suddenly, when something like this happens with this war in Ukraine and Russia, suddenly the pitfalls of renewable energy become transparent. It's an energy mix going forward. You know, where Chris Knox just came in with a couple of comments there about Paul Parson, but I used to work for his dad, Mike Knox. And that's how I got involved in oil and gas business. And he used to always talk to me about the future being an energy mix. You know, looking at from, you're going to have nuclear, we're going to have part of it renewables, we're going to have oil and gas. We'll even have coal in certain parts of the world because they're going through industrial revolutions. It's a bit like there's countries in the world that don't have, you know, grid activity all the time, 100% electricity all the time. These people should be entitled to coal. So they can have electricity they should be entitled to coal so they can have eating in their house what's wrong with that you know again it's like control we want to control these people with this we want to switch to renewable energy because it's cheaper once we can create renewable energy on mass less than nine dollars a barrel that's it that is fossil fuels
1: yeah it's it's interesting though like uh you know I, i know in texas on various occasions we had this the other day happen Um, and, you know, it's, there's a good reason for it, but, you know, uh, you'll have, uh, the, the city boys going in and like hacking your thermostat and turning it up to like, you know, the, uh, the temperature that has been set by the city that, you know, this is as much as we could stress the grid and they do it in the winter and they do it in the summer, you know, it was 105 the other day. And, you know, they, they send out a thing from the energy company saying, Hey, like, sorry about this, but we had to get into your thermostat and turn it up a little bit. You know, we want, we don't want to stress the grid. And, you know, the same thing happens. I think it's a joke, but when, you know, the the temperature falls below like 30 degrees, they do the same thing. And, you know, I grew up in Minnesota in the frozen tundra and I just like 30 degrees. It's, it's warm outside, you know? And, you know, it gets down under 30 and they're in there just jacking with the thermostat. Like, okay, we can't use too much uh, electricity because the texas grid is separate from the eastern seaboard and the western grid as well it's it's very weird but um
0: they they don't want to lose control as well so if you think about it is so sdg and e the price that you sell your solar energy to them is essentially like a fifth of the price that they'll when they sell it back to you
1: yep Exactly. So, wait a minute.
0: So, I'm selling my, and then they'll be using this energy you're creating from your solar panels and providing essentially electricity to the guy next door. Yep. So, you're taking this electricity, pumping it onto the grid. They're taking that, reselling it from you. And when you need to buy it back, you know, it costs you five times as much as you sell it to these guys.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like if that was any other economic model in the world, you would throw it out the window. yeah it's total bonkers and and this is like supposed to be california you know there's so many rights here for every single thing except you selling electricity to the grid and the one thing they don't want to encourage is these battery storages so what they should be doing is we should give everyone at home if they really wanted to help and they wanted to use money is oh we've got to take the pressure off the grid what we can do is we can give everyone a one month supply battery of electricity plug it on the side of your house i know these tesla ones do three months normally and then you've got the solar panels on your roof and all you're doing is topping up your backup battery storage so you're yeah. essentially pulling nothing off the grid it changes the system and the
1: tesla if they could scale that that's a very smart idea i mean it's you know having a. Th- I didn't know it was a three-month battery but that's yeah, just three to three month
0: battery. that's what he said he reckons three month battery and then he wants to do this type of panels which is essentially tiles on your house which become mini solar panels yeah and then he reckons if it, we all get these minis and even places where it's not sunny all the time he says it's still so strong from the sun providing energy but then what does that do well it does two things SDG&E, you're out of business. Every single, basically, everyone's out of business apart from selling it to massive industrial factories. We'll always still need these guys to power the big factories, but then every single individual can come off the grid. But then you think of all the taxation money that they'll lose. Because the biggest fear with renewable energy is if we get this product right, we'll be able to provide free energy everywhere in the world and we won't be able to tax it. Now, if you're sitting there as the government, and we've just talked about in a place like California, where you get taxed so highly, where a dollar of your gas station money goes to the government, and we all switch to green energy and you're all off grid and you're using microgrid systems to power your Tesla or electric vehicle, where's this dollar every gallon in the gas station going? You know, they're going to have yeah. to find that somewhere. So what we're going to do we're going to tax the sun you know tax the wind but they'll find a way to do it going forward and that's what's to me that's what's so exciting about renewable energy is renewable energy should be about one thing and one thing only driving energy prices down and if we can drive it down to as cheap as possible we'll flip out of this but co2 emissions that are increasing across the world is it's increasing in huge amounts. It's not increasing in America. It's going down in America. It's not increasing in Europe. It's going down in Europe. You know, the greener and greener we become, it doesn't make any difference for CO2 emissions because right now it's China, it's India, it's Pakistan, and it's all these other countries going through industrial revolutions that become the massive manufacturers of the world. We're still buying the product from them. They're creating the CO2 emissions and so what? It's their country; They can do what they want. We created all the CO2 emissions in the last century. They're creating all the CO2 emissions in this century. And it's a lot higher than what it was before. So yeah. why is renewable energy not focusing on this? Why is this ESG, which is all about uh, environmental, social, governments, policies, which essentially lose money? Right. It's all about losing money. And it's all about subsidizing that. And we're all great. We'll subsidise this. So why are we subsidising all these energy? For why we should be saying to these renewable energy companies? And that's why I like. You know, there was all well. Tesla takes subsidies. So what? Why wouldn't he take subsidies? Everyone else is taking subsidies. You know, he went. Oh, he got subsidies open his new plant in Texas. Well, that's because California was taxing him so hard. So someone else offered him there. He's off. But he's coming up with ways to use this big red thing that's in the sky (laughs) that's basically provided (laughs) power for this planet for 4.8 billion years, you know, helped us going up to this length in time, we can use that sun to essentially create all the energy we require. And that energy can be on microgrid systems and essentially free. And if we make energy free and so low cost in this country, and the model rolls out like that, then suddenly your big factories in places like India and places like China, because, you know, China wants to invest massively into renewable energy. They want to be the leaders in the field because they, you know, because they're supplied on, because they've got to rely on Russia. India's got to rely on Russia. You know, that's why they're not coming out and speaking about it because they don't want it. Plus, he's not invading someone on their doorstep, so they're not going to try and turn him off. And they're taking benefits of what's happening right now. But they don't want to be reliant on that Russia. Why would they want to do that? They'd want to be hundred percent renewable energy. You know that that's the future of what we're trying to do. But we need to be able to store it and have the backup thing. And I, I think hydrogen could be key in terms of doing this because this is a way for people to understand why hydrogen will become popular. Is it's able to take renewable energy, convert it into hydrogen, and then we can transport it. Right. Because the problem with is the transportation is like. You can't transport renewable energy in the same way you can transport oil, the same way you can transport natural gas, the same way you can transport coal. Coal's the best one to transport. It takes the longest to get around. It doesn't go off. There's nothing else outside. As long as it gets there without the ship sinking, then you'll be able to use it at the other end. You know, gas is all pipelines. Yeah, you can go into these big LNG carriers to carry them. Yeah. It's still not as simple as coal because coal was the first one that we could use to move about.
1: I was going to say LNG is, you know, that's kind of the argument for, I guess, the transportation of natural gas is, you know, you could use LNG, but that's still a process, you know, unlike coal where, you know, you just load it up and drive it somewhere.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I, I think we should always keep coal. We should produce coal and keep it. It's not going off, people. You know, it's just sitting there. And if there's a big freeze... And if the grid breaks, we should be giving everyone coal so they can keep their house warm, like we used yeah. to 50 years ago. It wasn't even 50 years ago, it was probably 40, 30 years ago. The coal man, when he used to come back in the UK, in Scotland, the coal man was seen as a hero. And he was <laughs> dirty, he came along and he carried bags of coal, I'll have three <laughs> bags of coal, stick them in the coal shed, <laughs> boom, you have your coal fire. My granddad yeah. had the coal fire, he had to put the fire on and the fire heated the water. You know, it was just like, oh, that's yeah. the way it worked. But then you had that freeze that happened in Texas. Was it two years ago? when the uh, renewable?
1: I think just about, yeah.
0: And then it took out all the wind turbines. They all froze. They couldn't. It was so cold. It cracked the gas pipeline. So it wasn't just renewable energy was suffered by that, by the way, people. It was when that yeah. big freeze came in Texas. They weren't ready for it. It just went colder than they ever predicted would happen again. Oh, it's global warming. Now we've got extra cold. <laughs> it's global warming. We've gone extra hot. I get it. You know, the world's increasing in temperature very slowly, by the way. It's not like it's happening overnight. The sea's not rising foots and foots. It's rising very slowly. But ultimately, it's increasing. And we're going through natural resources faster than we've ever gone before. Because humans are like locusts back in the old day when there was a lot of animals and dinosaurs and that used to eat the uh, eat us. <laughs> I know that we weren't around when dinosaurs, but you know, there, there was a time when we, we didn't live that more along. Uh, we were only able to live to 25, 30 years ago. That's only 2000 years ago. Yeah. You know, the, the age we lived, to was average of 25 because of technology. We are no longer hunters, hunter gatherer. That was the original human that came out of Africa. 60,000 years ago so you start looking at that when it's coming in it's not that long a timeline when it starts to move across so if people start to see that this technology is coming in we're eating up all the resources but we can't just suddenly say well i don't like coal i don't like oil oil's changed the world everything we've made is from refined plastic oil's been so good that's why i love the oil industry I can take this little snippet i love the oil industry i don't care what anybody says because of what is done in the past the I also love renewable energy, energy industry, industry as well i love that the technology
1: yeah, the, yeah there is without a doubt a lot of technology the only um the only bit i can never get right with is just the the, the corporate side of it you know that the guys that are out drilling their own oil they're, they're good guys they're not you know yeah, I mean, uh, they, a
0: lot of those guys aren't good guys.
1: Well, I, I don't know. They, they're the way they need
0: to be to get into <laughs> it. Know, in you know. Know. You know, a lot of the guys I know in Kentucky and that are good guys. Good yeah. boys. Women as well. I met the, the, the one of the females that ran her own oil company. Shane and I got to sit next to her at the Illinois Oil and Gas Association. She was great fun. And she was basically from a family of oil and gas people. So there's women into that industry as well. Oh, yeah. But you're right. It's like when the big corporations come in, the big oil companies come in, they go into third world countries that we see as third world countries into Africa. Basically, we're piling in there. We're taking your natural resources. We're not going to do anything else like Iraq. You know, we've gone yeah, in yeah. there and essentially. It's
1: industrialization in countries like Ghana, they, they need the resources to have their own industrial revolution. And they get stunted because we're taking it, you know, we're buying it for pennies on the dollar. Of what it will be sold for, you know, when it comes to yeah, the but it's the
0: corruption from their governments as well. So that's, that's the problem in there. So right. it's, like, you know, we, we all give the guy a bit of a bung, like what's happened in Sri Lanka. It's like the president's left in his own private plane with it, all the cash he can fill in it. <laughs> Now, you can blame the recession and everything else, but it just doesn't look good. And you're off in your own jumbo and you've filled it full of cash and you're finding somewhere to hide. Uh, We'll we'll head to Dubai if they won't accept me, Panama. Panama's the place that everyone can hide from. Even the dodgy Russian guys in Dubai, if they want to hide their cash from Dubai, they fly to Panama, which is incredible as well. So if you come to the uber wealthy, that's the next place to hide your cash. But yeah, so it's not like the corporations going in and stealing it and taking what these companies have done. But they're obviously trying to change, but it's like all business as well. You know, whether it's governments, whether it's private corporations, they are going into these places and they're not treating the local people the right way. And the money's not getting filed back to the local people and it's their natural resources. And that's part of the problem that happens as well, got it, which isn't nice. But it doesn't change the fact that this technology and this revolution's come in in the past is this technology and the development of oil and gas and the refining, essentially, of plastics has completely and utterly changed the world. And it's allowed us to get into so much developments in pharmaceutical products that we are no longer living to 25 years anymore. We're all living 78, 79, 80. You yeah. know, was that French woman, 126. You know, obviously not all of us are going to hit 126, but it's good to know that somebody out there has managed to do it. And yeah. they, they certainly weren't doing that um, 2,000 years ago unless you were Noah, who managed to get to 950.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: but he had a big boat. He needed 120 years to build this big boat as well. He <laughs> had a big
1: project on the go that
0: took him a while.
1: He <laughs> needed a little extra time.
0: He <laughs> needed some extra time as well. So that's just uh, some of the benefits of the oil and gas industry. But people need to look at it in relation to what's happened. You know, it's a very short period of time. Because of the news cycles, we think everything's disaster, 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 and they push a disaster on us. But ultimately, if you look back, going back 500 years, a 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 10,000 years, and see the evolution of the human race to this point, it's absolutely amazing. History shows we're at an amazing race right now going forward. And You know, if you start to look at as the universe expands, not to be getting too deep in it, but, you know, I'm starting to learn about this stuff right now. So the galaxies are moving further away. We're in the Milky Way. So as the other galaxies move further away, you're probably looking at, I think it's a thousand million years. years—is what I read in a book last night with my son is we were not going to be here any longer. The sun at that point is going to be too strong that the earth is going to become very gassy. So that's our timeline to get off this planet, everybody. Obviously, that's for future generations, a thousand million years. But at that point, this planet, we'll all have to move to Mars. Elon Musk's correct. He's just trying to get us ahead of the curve.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Unless there's a World War III, you know, that'll wipe out some of the population, which unfortunately, right now, on a daily basis, can be quite scary in what's going on.
1: Yeah, think. we're getting closer and closer to that. That uh, The European DEFCON rating has been at two for, uh, I think, about six months. So we'll just have
0: to wait and see. So so that brings us on to the final part of the day. You know, we usually do chewing the cud. I don't want to speak about the the LIV golf. I quite like the LIV golf in some ways. You know, it's just because it's in YouTube and it's free and there's no adverts.
1: I'm interested to see what you got. I, I, I don't think we could do Hunter Biden. It's just too inappropriate for work.
0: <laughs> yeah, Hunter Biden's the name. but check out his art. His art is good. His know. art's good. I'll give George, him that. George Bush Jr. He's a good artist too. Yeah, really yeah artist. He's I, I like he's George good. Bush's yeah, stuff. George Bush you know, I, I think George it's good.
1: Jr. That guy's got some good stuff. Your president, yeah. former president Bush.
0: Yeah, Hunter Biden. I like him as well. And maybe not personally, but I like his artwork anyway. Yeah, but plus it's like. You know, is he the worst guy in the world? Not really, you know. It's just like his daddy was uh, vice president, now president, being in government 50 years. He's just taking a bit of an advantage of that, people. That's all it is, you know. don't have to bash the guy for doing what everyone else in the world would do. So let's go to my NFT, because this brings us round to, we've, we're, we're going to start focusing on NFTs going forward. So this is my Bitcoin Libertarian NFT of the day. Indigenous people believe that man belongs to the world civilized people believe that the world belongs to man. So that's a great quote from the environmentalist to Daniel Quinn, you know. He's no longer with us, but uh, I know, read quite a lot of his stuff. And it's good. I, li- I like environmentalists. That's what's weird. That's like, I-, I like oil and gas. I believe in all this history, but I believe in the environment. I like environmentalists. You know, you don't have to be 100% one and 100% the other. And I think this quote is key because, you know, if you think of – Indigenous people of the world, and we think of like Africa, we think of Australia, where we go in there. Look, we've discovered North America, you know, the Native Americans, they belong to the earth. You know, Native Americans believe that they belong to the earth. Indigenous people in Africa believe they belong to the earth. If you go out to Australia, it's the same. Aboriginals, they belong to the earth. Mother Nature, they're part of this earth. We belong to it. We don't actually own it. But civilized people, us lot, essentially the white man (laughs) and white woman and white they, (laughs) everyone in between, it belongs to us. This little patch is ours, boom, you know, get out of it. And whatever they own, we're going to take anyway. Rewrite the rules, you know, here it is, a little bit of piece of paper, that's it, we own it, you're out, you know? And I think something's got to be learned from this and we need to go back in time and understand where human existence has come from and how we've got to to where we are right now, not to go to Darwinian in terms of this uh, trajectory of where we're coming from. I think people need to understand if you start reading into Darwin, it's not suddenly it's just gone from like, you know, eight to something between than us, you know, and then you've obviously, Sean Connery's like in between because he's like, was so hairy and like super good looking. So he sort of, he was the <laughs> in between. prehistoric man. Sean Connery, obviously Scottish. And then uh, the, the man today, with you know, his hairy Richard Keyes out in Qatar. He was another one. I don't know. Uh, we're just saying that for Noxy He had the hairiest hands ever. So he was famous in Britain for having really hairy arms. He had to shave his hands twice a day when he was doing the the soccer football because they grew so fast so he's probably got like certain genes in them and if you start going back and looking at the genealogy of it all if you start looking into inner parts of africa that is where the human species came from and actually when they started to come out and we started to go into other parts of the world it's more like a bush you know Oh, yeah. It's not not like it's just one line. It's like multiple things have created to where we are right now. And that's interesting in itself, you know? So it's like we have to go back and start to learn from the past. But essentially going back in time that we belong to the earth. And the earth's been here, for anybody who's into science, predicting about 4.6 billion years. 4.54 billion years. I was actually, I watched a video for it yesterday. That's what they actually predict. The oldest rocks they've found on the Earth are about a billion years. It was actually going out and bringing back moon rocks that we started to uh, do the geology of what's from the moon that we realized, wait a minute, this stuff out there is four billion years. So potentially the Earth's here. And as the Earth's crust, you know, when we have volcanoes, etc., the crust goes down. So it goes like this. So it's always new crust, so it's actually coming up. So when the plates go like that and they come like this, it's actually a new plate that's coming up and everything else pushes down. That's how it actually works, people. But there's parts of the earth that uh, have been exposed that uh, we can go back and we can do the sort of carbon dating to understand how old parts of the earth is from there. So we've got rocks in the earth that are a billion years. The moon rocks, four billion years. So they predict that the earth's been here essentially 4.6 billion years. You know, the insects have been here 480 million years. So when indigenous people, they're correct. We belong to this, essentially, spaceship that spins around the sun. And we all seem to live here. It doesn't actually belong to us. But with your big politicians out there and people pushing to invade other countries, and this bit belongs to me and you're on the other side of this line, sorry. In going forward, hopefully we'll start to learn more from indigenous people and realize that the civilized people in the world were actually wrong. It doesn't help with us invading other countries. And we are right. And these guys are wrong. And we've stolen their natural resources. And it's like everything Garrett talks about, because what I like when Garrett talks about oil companies, he looks at it from the indigenous people's perspective in terms of, well, wait a minute, we're going in and stealing their natural resources and pushing these people down just so we can increase our profit margins and shoot our share prices high. I
1: yeah, like to <laughs> <like people laughs> <in the first. laughs> sure how it looks?
0: <laughs> well, it's a, well it's a, that's the truth of the whole thing. You know? The truth
1: of it, yeah. It's, we've been doing it for a long time. And it's really...
0: Yeah, uh, we're very good at it, got it. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's, we're, know, we're, we're the best as it is, you know. Like, don't get me wrong. And the Scottish are, you know, we're just as bad as anyone. I'm not t- saying that we're uh, just coming in here with some new ideas. We've been involved in this. No, you guys forever. you
1: guys just drill deeper. That's what you guys do. You just drill deeper.
0: We've got to do this in the world. Scotland right now, if Nicola Sturgeon, who's wanting to run for independence, if she suddenly just said, listen, I see the problems with Russia. I'm going to open up drilling. We're going to drill deeper. We've got as much uh, oil and gas On the west side of Scotland, as we did in the east side in the North Sea, BP knows it's all there. Let's basically give BP the opportunity to basically get this stuff out of the ground and we can supply all the gas and all the oil required in Europe to transition them away from renewable energy. Now, if she came out and said that, everyone in Scotland would vote for independence because she's wanting to continue to push the Green New Deal part of it because she's got like, she needs the Greens to be on our side actually have some form of coalition majority government in the Scottish Parliament right now she's not prepared to say that which is an unbelievable thing to say it's like Nicola Sturgeon if you're watching this podcast which I'm guaranteed you're not if you get this sent to you you just gotta come out and I think the Scottish people will buy into it because the Scottish people generally when they come to They don't go to 100% either way. They're prepared to sit and debate and understand things. Yeah, we want to be Scotland, be one of the first 100% green energy countries in the world. But we can also use our natural resources to help power half of Europe. And then as we provide them gas, and as we provide them oil, we can give them all the latest renewable energy technology as well to help them transition away from the product that we're selling to them. Rather than just like, let's turn off all the Scottish gas, we'll go green and then everyone else in Europe, screw that, you've got to go to Russia and have 80% of your gas from them. Doesn't make any sense
1: like that, you
0: know? So that's that's just done, coming up, well, we've fit an hour already, Garrett, I can't believe it.
1: Yeah, I've got to jump here because I, I have somewhere to be, but... Because we're supposed oh. to be at
0: 11. Supposed... Today, Garrett and I, honestly, we thought we'd be finished in 30 minutes, so oh, yeah. there we go. Anyway, Thanks to everyone out there watching Boom It's on the Blockchain. Thanks to Chris Knox for coming in there and reminding us about what's happening out there. Pete Shampoo, Budapest, keep doing your research. Um, Garrett, I will see you tomorrow in California, San Diego. sounds good. Yeah, you can get used to the high gas prices we've got out here, you know, and then we'll go out for something to eat. So to everyone else out there, thank you for watching Boom It's on the Blockchain. My name is Alistair Caithness. Have a nice day.